0: Chapter twenty six of the Barnabys in America by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty six Big Gang Bank becomes the scene of much elegant hospitality. An historical personage is introduced. Mrs. Allen Barnaby takes notes. A visit the day following this large influx of visitors at big gang bank witnessed the sending off of half a dozen notes containing dinner invitations to the six principal proprietors in the neighbourhood there was a seventh concerning whom mrs beauchamp and the colonel differed in opinion this seventh proprietor within a circle of five miles round big gang bank was a certain maiden lady of the name of whitlaw the same whom the young slave nina was so anxious her mistress should visit for many years she had been known in the neighbourhood as mrs clio but this singular christian name had been dropped on the death of a widowed sister-in-law and the greatest female landowner in america had now become simply mrs whitlaw she was a person of rather eccentric habits but universally beloved and respected throughout the neighbourhood of her origin but little was known her immense fortune having been left her by a young nephew who had himself died almost immediately after he had come into possession of it some circumstances relating to the nephew and to the manner in which he both obtained and bequeathed his fortune became the subject of a narrative published in england some few years ago but of this notoriety mrs Cleo whitlaw was herself wholly unconscious and so great was the humble simplicity of her character that she would have thought it greatly more probable that her dog watch should have been put into a book than herself it was on the question of inviting or not inviting this lady that the colonel and mrs beauchamp now differed the former being strongly in favour of the measure and the latter as strongly against it a good many pro and con arguments were uttered on the occasion which it is unnecessary to repeat the whole strength of mrs beauchamp's objections resting in the words she is too vulgar colonel she is indeed a great deal too vulgar to be introduced to such company as we've got here only just think what it would be if mrs allen barnaby was to describe miss Cleo whitlaw in her book as a first american lady mrs allen barnaby is much too superior-minded a lady to do any such thing my dear replied the colonel her thoughts are altogether fixed on the great national question of slaves or no slaves and that being the case there is small chance that she should turn aside from her wise and enlightened reasonings upon this important subject for the sake of writing down the queer ways of miss clio that is true colonel i can't say but what it is rejoined the lady but do only remember the look of her cap and the make of her gown and then think of the beautiful dresses of mrs Allen barnaby and do you my dear just think of the mischief our queer old neighbour is for ever doing by upholding the christian privileges of the slaves as she calls them and of the good chance there may be that the great cleverness that this writing lady brings forward on the subject may work a change in her foolish notions and then you may just as well remember at the same time if you please that nobody ever heard who mrs whitlaw's heirs are to be and then it may come into your head perhaps that it may be best not to affront her by leaving her out have your own way then colonel was hereupon the conclusion of the dialogue and the invitation to mrs whitlaw was dispatched with the rest during the three days which intervened before the arrival of this first great inaugural dinner-party the company assembled at big gang bank amused themselves in various ways according to their respective inclinations mrs allen barnaby walked forth in the cool of the evening with the observant colonel beauchamp at her side and her note-book open in her hand taking notes upon every object that he pointed out to her especial attention perfection of agricultural science were the words inscribed after his showing her how carefully the rice grounds were kept in order that the crop as he coaxingly observed might be as perfect as it ought to be for the london market and when they reached the negro village in which the largest portion of his slaves dwelt and found them all dressed out in their best attire and dancing away to the squeaking of one of their own fiddles while all the teeth of all the tribe were displayed by one broad universal grin he did not think it necessary to mention that this exhibition of excessive gaiety was got up for her especial benefit but permitted her to write none but those who have witnessed the blissful scene with their own eyes can form an idea of that unequalled moral felicity which is enjoyed by the negro slaves of the united states of america their lives are passed in the enjoyment of every blessing that the heart of man can desire as sentences such as these became multiplied on her pages the devotion of the colonel and his lady increased to such a degree that major allen barnaby who thought that as a looker-on he saw the very pith and marrow of the game began to hint to his lady that it would be a pity not to put the affection of their wealthy host to the proof at once by simply requesting a loan of a couple of thousand pounds or so the answer he received from his wife upon making this proposal speaks volumes in honour of the acute nature of feminine observation when stimulated by the lively light of genius this answer was preceded by a little laugh and then followed these words and you really think that the old gentleman would come down with his cash Donny? do you ask him if you have a mind that the beautiful bubble should burst about your ears at once and besprinkle you with something more disagreeable than soap-suds but if you think it as well to let me go on my own way just let it alone and take my word for it that as the love of his dear dollars is the beginning and end of his love of me the asking him to part with them would cure the tender passion at once i have never seen anybody either at home or abroad donny your own handsome self not excepted my dear who seemed to me to dote upon the needful so heartily as this sleepy colonel will you believe me major or will you not i should be a precious great fool my dear he replied after all that i have seen of you already should i begin to doubt you now have it your own way my barnaby and i will just go quietly on with the piquet i suppose you are right about his affection for his dollars, for i see he hates losing but we can't help that you know it won't do for us to be here for nothing oh no certainly not i'll leave that all in your own hands of course you don't let luck run against him the whole night winning one game is like mixing one little bit of leaven into a whole bushel of dough he begins every game afterwards under the effects of it and you must give him enough to prevent him turning short round upon you and saying that he had rather not play any more the major chucked his wife under the chin gave her a very satisfactory nod and so the discussion ended the rest of the party managed very tolerably well what with the novelty of the scene the prodigious quantity of eating and drinking and the extreme hospitality of their entertainers they contrived to pass those days pleasantly enough miss matilda perkins was perhaps the only one of the party not exactly satisfied with the change from new orleans there a vast many gentlemen had felt it was advantageous to be decidedly among the popular english party even though a little flirtation with miss matilda was the price they were obliged to pay for it but here the only single gentleman of the company had most decidedly devoted all his perkins partiality to the elder sister appearing to forget altogether that any such person as the interesting matilda existed tornorino excepting during the hours in which by special agreement he was in attendance upon his father-in-law appeared wholly devoted to the pleasant occupations of making himself comfortable and keeping his wife in good humour while his lady amused herself much to her heart's content in demonstrating her conjugal affection dressing herself in orange blossoms and watching the odd ways of the Blackamores, and egerton how did he amuse himself did he philosophize with mrs allen barnaby on the admirable effects of slavery or did he recreate his spirits by playing piquet with the major no he was as little inclined for the one occupation as for the other and actually wasted the time that he might have spent in becoming acquainted with their strongly marked and peculiarly interesting characters in silently watching the domestic arrangements of a slave plantation in conversing on terms a little less hostile than heretofore with annie and in making acquaintance with her young slave Nina it is impossible to deny that during this process his dislike of the american heiress became considerably less inveterate than it had been during the early part of their acquaintance but the most important step made towards the removal of this very unamiable feeling was by the lucky discovery that the young lady was not endowed with any accomplishments whatever she never even hinted at having the slightest intention of taking a degree and this species of extraordinary humility together with the discovery of a few other qualities and peculiarities that he certainly rather liked than not induced him to talk to her a good deal and to pay her altogether a good deal of attention the terms too on which she seemed to be living with the interesting young girl whose personal attendance upon her was as may be observed in all plantation families greatly more close and intimate than can be found in the same relation elsewhere the tone of this and the mutual affection which so evidently existed between them tended very greatly to remove the feeling of dislike which he had conceived for all slaveholding individuals whatever one consequence of this was that he not only talked a good deal to annie but to nina too this delicately formed young girl with her large soft eyes and beautiful teeth was certainly as pretty a creature as it was possible for a black girl to be and if an individual instance might be taken as proof her intelligence might have gone far towards settling the disputed question on the power and extent of negro intellect it is true indeed that her mistress's remarkable neglect of all the higher branches of abstract science had prevented this touchstone from being applied to her powers of mind but all that it had been in her power to acquire she had acquired rapidly and egerton's carefully cultivated acquaintance with her while it went far towards exonerating annie herself from the odious stigma which his heart attached to the holding a slave convinced him more strongly than ever that there was nothing to be found in the nature of the negro race to justify in the slightest degree the atrocious tyranny by which they have been separated from their fellow-creatures and branded as beings of an inferior race nothing is more interesting when such thoughts and speculations occupy the mind than a personal investigation of the subject by means of conversing with some individual specimen of this stranger race whenever accident gives an opportunity and it was for this reason as well as for a slight latent wish to know a little more about the mistress that frederick egerton bestowed so large a portion of his attention upon the maid the first two or three days of this rather singular reunion at big gang bank were thus passed by the different individuals of which it was composed all of them perhaps looking forward with more or less curiosity to the enlargement of the circle by the grand dinner-party of which they had pretty constantly heard mention it was on the evening of the third day which had been one of extreme heat but which as the sun went down became delightful by the aid of a gentle breeze that annie either moved thereto by the repeated suggestions of her sable monitor or by her own kind-hearted inclination to be civil to her queer old friend proposed to the ladies that they should take a walk on the extensive light-brown esplanade before the house which it was the custom of the country to denominate the lawn all the party gentlemen as well as ladies seemed to relish the proposal exceedingly and in truth the air at that moment blowing through the open blinds was such as to tempt the laziest of mortals to a stroll not however that either the major or his son-in-law would have yielded to the temptation had not colonel beauchamp been fast asleep but that being the case they too obeyed the summons of the young lady and sallied forth with the rest into the portico rambling onward over the almost crackling surface of the much scorched lawn at the end of the enclosure they reached a gate upon the latch of which annie placed her hand saying to her mother as she did so i will just step over mamma if you please and inquire for mrs whitlaw i should not like to meet her at dinner till i had called upon her i will be back again in time to make tea why should we not all go annie returned her mother you know the old lady is very fond of being visited by strangers and i think our friends might like to see the place it is quite a curiosity in some ways what say you gentlemen and ladies why as for me my dear lady replied mrs allen barnaby to whom mrs beauchamp had seemed to chiefly address herself i must confess that in this hot climate i do not feel equal to a great deal of walking but don't mind me i can return alone my exclaimed mrs beauchamp perfectly frightened at the proposal fancy me letting you walk back alone i will go back with you with the very greatest of pleasures and indeed i never should have thought of your risking your most precious health by a long walk but mrs whitlaw's beautiful place isn't more than ten minutes from this oh well then we won't part company replied mrs allen barnaby obligingly and thus annie considerably to her surprise and perhaps not very much to her satisfaction Found herself at the head of an invading army of nine persons preparing to make their way into the territory of her old friend who she well knew was not in the habit notwithstanding her enormous wealth of being at all times ready to receive company but this little embarrassment served the young lady rightly for she had been plotting and plotting feebly a weakness which generally insures and always merits failure had she when the wish for making this visit seized her quietly invited her still favoured protege, miss louisa to accompany her and only contrived to make the request in the hearing of mr frederick egerton there is every reason to suppose that she would have been accompanied to the house of her friend exactly in the manner she wished but as it was she had no choice left her but to proceed with her mamma's cortege to penetrate into the peaceful precincts of portico lodge we are rather a large party to be sure observed mrs beauchamp as they proceeded but our annie is such a favourite that she may do anything the odd old lady would never be angry with her indeed the people in the neighbourhood do say continued mrs beauchamp with a smile that annie has got a very tolerably good chance of coming in for a share of the great fortune she will leave behind her for she has not a relation in the world and it is quite certain that she takes more pleasure in our annie's company than in that of anybody else our girl will be a fine fortune altogether if that should happen miss beauchamp was at the moment when this was spoken in rather earnest conversation with mr egerton but she suddenly stopped and turning to her mother said with a good deal of eagerness i wish mamma you would never say that again and likewise that you would never think it i know as i have often told you before mamma that you are mistaken mrs whitlaw has no relations but she has friends as dear to her as the very nearest well annie you always scold me about it i know replied her mother laughing but it is not my notion only but that of everybody in the country besides it is rather hard upon her replied her daughter colouring that she should run the risk of being abused when she dies for not doing what she never gave the slightest reason to suppose she intended to do while she lived but do not let us talk any more about such nonsense here we are and there she is dear good old soul busy as usual tying up her darling virginian creeper to the pillars of the portico as strange a figure perhaps as was ever looked upon was in effect now visible employed as annie described with a huge basket of shreds and nails beside her a hammer in her hand and her lanky person stretching itself from the top step of a ladder which rested against the part of the building her head was totally uncovered save by her own grey hair and her dress which was of the richest crimson satin was tucked up through a pair of pocket-holes leaving distinctly visible two very slender legs terminated by feet nearly as long as themselves patty the moment she descried this remarkable figure burst into a shout of unmitigated laughter upon which mrs beauchamp looked vexed and the eyes of annie expressed a degree of indignation which immediately suggested to the acute mind of mrs allen barnaby the necessity of putting some restraint upon their fashionable feelings in order to conceal the ridicule which must naturally arise in the lively minds of herself and daughter upon the sight of such remote specimens of the natives do be quiet patty she exclaimed in an accent of chiding i know very well that you are only laughing at me just because my foot slipped i suppose but because i know it that is no rule that everybody else should and therefore i beg you'll be quiet and not expose yourself by your wild spirits so as madame tornorino had fortunately remarked the heightened colour of mrs Beauchamp and understood thereby something of the effect which her vivacity had produced her mamma escaped the sharp rejoinder she would otherwise have received in return for her admonition but patty who had a large portion of her female parents admirable abilities not only read in the eyes of annie and the cheeks of her mother that they were waxing wrath but remembered with a degree of wisdom almost beyond her years that she and her don were just at present living upon the fat of the land without hearing a word about the costliness of it from her papa and mamma a variety in their mode of existence that was extremely agreeable she therefore immediately ceased laughing and said my goodness mamma i wish you wouldn't tumble about so it is enough to make the dog laugh but it is just like you isn't it you are so uncommonly fat and clumsy this lively little dialogue brought them to a spot sufficiently near for the sound of their approach to be audible to the lady on the ladder who turning her head uttered the national oh my and began to descend as rapidly as her declining strength permitted now this is kind and neighbour-like She said, extending both her thin brown hands, one of which was very cordially taken by Mrs. Beauchamp, and the other by Annie. I did want to see you again, my pretty dear, she added, smiling kindly upon the latter. I always think that the place begins to look dismal when you have been a good spell away. And who are all these ladies and gentlemen, Madame Beauchamp? Company from the East, I calculate. These friends of ours are foreigners, my dear Mrs. Whitlaw replied mrs beauchamp and i have a great pleasure in bringing them here both to show them your beautiful place and to make you acquainted with them because i know that you are partial to foreigners i am very glad to see your friends mrs beauchamp replied the old lady with great civility but i expect the foreigners that you mean were my dear far-away german friends for i don't much recollect being greatly taken with any other but now you'll all be pleased to walk in i hope and we'll take some sangaree and cake and there is whisky and cigars for the gentlemen and my dear miss annie looks prettier than ever and that's well and just as it should be the party followed her in through the open french window as she spoke and seated themselves according to their respective fancies in different parts of the fine large room in which they found themselves a running accompaniment of welcome from the good lady going on as they did so pray make yourselves comfortable take off your bonnets ladies if you please and your caps too like me if you wear em there is nothing so nice as the sweet air blowing about overhead perhaps that fat lady pointing to mrs allen barnaby would like this very large chair the best oh my ma'am i'm afraid you are very hot she added looking towards miss matilda perkins who as usual was fanning herself without intermission but that is not the way to be cool ma'am i can tell you she continued you are working a deal too hard i expect and then she clapped her hands and two full-grown and three half-grown negro girls instantly entered the room fan the ladies said mrs whitlaw whereupon the little girls and the great girls placed themselves before the lady visitors and obeyed the orders they had received with a steady measured movement of the solace-giving instrument which was exceedingly delightful to those to whom it was applied How zealously they perform the task, said Egerton in a half whisper to Miss Beauchamp. Is it not a pity that the instrument which their masters apply to their persons in return should be one productive of as much pain as of pleasure? This was said without any fear of giving offence to the fair listener, for the improving acquaintance between the parties had already permitted the subject of negro slavery to be freely discussed. The idea of so painful a contrast would not arise here, replied Annie in the same low tone if you knew a little more of mrs whitlaw that odd exterior conceals the gentlest kindest heart that was ever given to a mortal she would be much more likely to let her slaves flog her than suffer any one else to flog them and this is the reason why you love her said egerton annie coloured a little for she knew that he alluded to a discussion in which she had thought proper to utter a few sentences in mitigation of the unqualified reprobation he had expressed against the hateful institution but she smiled too as she answered i love her for everything she does for everything has so much self-forgetting kindness in it that i sometimes think she is sent on earth with that uncaptivating exterior on purpose to show us that we are compound animals and that beauty and ugliness may both be met in perfection in the same individual and beauty and goodness in another he was tempted to reply as his eye rested upon her but he did not and only said in an accent of very philosophical composure you really make me long to know her miss beauchamp how can i begin a conversation with her talk to her about that beautiful plant that you saw her nailing up replied annie the obedient young man immediately left her side and approaching the lady of the mansion said to her with the air of taking much interest in the subject will you be so kind mrs whitlaw as to tell me the name of the beautiful plant you were so carefully leading in the way it ought to go it is the most elegant creeper i ever saw Yes, indeed, sir, it is a beauty of a plant, replied the old lady, following him into the portico, but it is only what we call the Virginian trumpet. It is not only its beauty, you must know, that makes me forbid any of my poor nigger creatures to touch it, and that I always do everything to it with my own hands. There is a story, sir, belonging to this plant, that makes every bell that hangs upon it something precious to me. I wish you would tell me the story, said egerton with a good-humoured smile it might be made a long one replied mrs whitlaw with a sigh but i'll make it short for you sir the root of this very identical plant that you see growing here sir i grubbed up years ago from the smouldering walls of a house that was wickedly burnt to the ground but that had seen some of my very happiest hours within its walls i used to think it a perfect wonder of a place in the way of handsomeness though i have found out now that it was just nothing of all that but this makes no difference in my love as i look back to it for it wasn't the place but the people they were a set of angels that's a fact and the one of them that i loved the dearest and that used to tend the parent of this tree with her own pretty hands was as beautiful as the young lady as you came here with sir and i don't need to say anything more about her beauty did i sir concluded the narrator with a smile and do you trace any resemblance between the two young ladies in the qualities of their minds as well as in the beauty of their persons demanded egerton but without however looking very steadily in the face of the person he addressed resemblance in their minds repeated mrs whitlaw meaning likeness in their goodness and kindness and all that oh my one might think you knew em both sir by having such a thought in your head yet they are not just that alike in all ways neither for my lottie was the merriest happiest-hearted little beauty that ever my eyes looked upon and this pretty dear is often quite the other way as to merriness being very often altogether the contrary she never said as much to me but i've often jealous that she didn't like having all the poor harmless black niggers made slaves of but this i should never have found out to understand it rightly if i had not been used to listen so as i did to my dear kind friends the steinmarks and madame mary who was an englisher sir like yourself indeed said frederick egerton almost starting you think madam, that miss is unhappy is melancholy because she is surrounded by slaves yes i do sir replied the old lady looking up in his face with a good-humoured twinkle of the eye that seemed to indicate that she knew he liked to hear as much and i can tell you easy why that makes a difference between her and lottie just in the very thing where there is no difference at all but the thing is this you see sir miss lottie steinmark hated and abominated the very name of slavery and was as gay as a lark because she comed from a country where there was no such thing ever known or heard of and she could boast of it pretty thing for all was free as waited on from here and she could sing dance and be merry while this dear child being an american citizen born and bound in course not to fault anything little or big that she sees in her own glorious native land seems often i think ready to break her heart because all the people about her the hard-hearted lookers and all i expect are not quite so merciful and good as herself and the case is the harder you see sir because both her pa and ma who worship the very ground she treads upon are altogether going the whole hog in the contrary direction and how can a young thing like that do anything in such a matter when all the great landowners round except my poor old self perhaps would burn her alive as soon as look at her if they did but guess what was passing in her poor little heart rarely have words produced a stronger or more instantaneous effect than did this speech of the venerable mrs Cleo whitlaw upon the mind of young frederick egerton it was as if some hard and impassable barrier had been removed that had hitherto kept him despite his growing inclination to overcome it at a chilling distance from the young american and had no eyes been there to check such a demonstration of feeling it is likely enough that he would have fallen on his knees before her confessed all his unjust aversion together with some other feelings of rather a contrary kind and implored her forgiveness on the spot but this being impossible the young man contented himself for the present by so placing himself beside one of the pillars of the portico as to gaze on the innocent young face whose influence he had so stoutly resisted without being remarked even by the sharp bright eyes of miss patty it is a pretty shady bit isn't it sir said mrs whitlaw looking at him complacently and i hope you'll come up and enjoy it whenever you like to take a stroll from big gang bank isn't that an unlucky name sir after what i have been telling you i'll lay a piccini to assent young gentleman that pretty annie will free every nigger upon the estate and then sell every acre of it and be off to some right down free country as soon as it ever comes into her hands but i mustn't stay talking to you any more sir or madame beauchamp will think i don't know what's what and so saying she began disengaging the skirt of her rich satin dress from the pocket-holes an operation which she had hitherto neglected and having succeeded in completing it returned into the saloon though frederick egerton once more found himself by the side of annie during their homeward walk he was instead of being more communicative considerably more silent than usual how could he find words to tell her that he adored her because her principles and feelings were in direct opposition to those of her parents that his heart was ready to swear allegiance to her forever because she had made the fortunate discovery that the most important feature in the constitution of the country she had been taught to venerate as the most perfect on earth was as hateful to her as to him it was impossible the conversation between them therefore visibly languished egerton perpetually relapsing into silence after every effort made by his beautiful companion to renew the conversation the result of this memorable excursion was that the young englishman returned to the house of his american entertainers with a fund of hope and happiness at the bottom of his heart which rendered him despite his grave exterior one of the most enviable men in the world while annie stole early to her rest with every feeling crushed every unacknowledged but most precious hope destroyed a process greatly similar to what had now taken place in egerton's mind had somewhat more rapidly taken place in hers though it was quite true that she hated the institution of slavery annie loved her country with that species of instinctive filial feeling which it is a sin to be without and having been taught very erroneously to believe that all english people disliked and what was much worse despised all americans her first feelings towards the young man were quite as hostile as those of the young man towards her but it was impossible to converse with frederick egerton without perceiving that no such unreasonable assumption of superiority as she had believed inseparable from the english character made any part of his she had discovered that what he most hated and condemned was what she most hated and condemned also and the feeling of having done him injustice had for some time been acting upon her mind exactly as it was now acting upon his giving to every good gift a double power to charm and bringing justice to act side by side with inclination in amending the judgment she had first put upon him but it was only when she saw or thought she saw that he liked her greatly less than she liked him that she became aware how important his opinion had become to her there was disappointment as well as mortification in the discovery for she had thought the case was different but it was sorrow without any mixture of anger that she felt upon making it she was much better calculated to be a proud patriot than a haughty woman and would have given infinitely more could she have honestly said that she believed her country right on all the points in which it differed from its parent stock than to hear it acknowledged by the whole world en masse that she was the loveliest lady in it drooping heavy-hearted and self-condemning but with no shadow of resentful feeling against egerton the beautiful american laid her young head upon her pillow and wept herself to sleep While the Englishman lay awake till night gave place to morning, in meditating how, when, and where he should confess to her that all his future hopes of happiness depended on her consenting to forsake the glories of the stars and the stripes and accept as an atonement for the sacrifice his heart, his hand, a noble settlement, and the alliance of an English race whose motto might very honestly have been Sans peur et sans reproche. Chapter twenty six.